It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. you are, whether you're in person or you're online. This has been a month like I've, well, this is just a few days in, but the amount of conflict, the amount of pressure that people have been expressing to me has been unparalleled. Yes, it has. And I've learned something, you all, that if I can turn my focus away from the problem, you know, Peter knew Jesus enough to see him and say, if it's you, tell me to come and I can walk on the water. I'll come to you. And he started walking, right? Doing what he couldn't do, doing what was impossible to do. But then the Bible says he looked at the winds and the waves, considered what was around him, and then he started to sink. I submit that if you're sinking today, it's because you've chosen to take your eyes off of Jesus and focus on the stuff. But it, one way to take your eyes off the stuff is to worship. And praise you all is to thank him for what he's done. And I'm telling you, he's done enough. But worship is different because it doesn't have anything to do with what he's done for you. It just has to do with who he is. And that means everybody can worship. You may not feel like he's done anything for you. You might say, well, I don't know. I'm going through too much. But you can all agree that no matter what I'm going through, he's still king of kings. No matter what I'm dealing with, he's still on the throne. No matter what I'm going through, he is still Lord of lords. So if you are a worshiper, if you love Jesus, would you just for about a minute put your lips fill them with praise and tell them God I love you I worship you I adore you nobody like you nobody compared to you and would you just take time to worship him worship him in the beauty today and we bless you in the beauty of your holiness and we thank you so much 
that you are on the throne and you rule and you reign. Help us, Lord God, to turn our eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of your glorious grace. And so we pray today, God, for someone whose heart is heavy. We pray for someone that walked in, that tuned in, that is under the weight of so much. You are a burden lifter. You are a mountain mover. You are a way maker. And so God, we just give you glory even in the midst of. Thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to gather around your word and that it would speak to us. Thank you for another first Sunday where we remember collectively your death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you for this holy season of Lent where the believing community around the world is remembering you. Less of us and more of you is our prayer. In Jesus' name. And all that agree with that said amen. amen. And amen. Come on, give God praise wherever you are. You can do that. Oh, come on. Not tell me for real. Can you just... A sacrifice of praise. <laughs> Sometimes it takes that, doesn't it? A sacrifice. A sacrifice. God, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I don't feel like it. I got a lot going on, but I'm going to give it to you. You're good. You're worthy. <laughs> Offer unto him a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of your lips giving him thanks. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So grateful to see another first Sunday. And for those of you that are tuning in, we never take it for granted that you've chosen to connect with us in whatever way that you've done, chose to do that, whether it's on our website, or social media platforms. Uh, maybe you're watching later on in the week. We're just grateful that you're here. And then it is so good Sunday by Sunday to see more of the saints coming in the building. Amen, amen. So good to see all of you. And, uh, and our prayer is continually that those of you that uh, may not know God, that are far from God for whatever the reason, that this is a no judgment zone, kind of like the Planet Fitness, right? No judgment zone where you can investigate, learn, and see about this Christianity thing. Uh, our prayer for you is that it would move from investigation to relationship. Last year, you all, we engaged in something that we've never done as a church before. In actuality, uh, over the course of my almost four decades of pastoral ministry and ministry, I've not seen it done much in most churches. Uh, we listen to the voices of others, others. Uh, although these amazing people are not aliens when we say others, in many ways, uh, for more Christians or for some Christians, their life experiences have made them different, unique, from many of the people who are Christians and who are deeply involved in the church. And in our attempt to reach people, and by the way, Citadel, you know that that is one of our core values. Thank y'all so much. They never know, like, is he like ready to preach or is he still in the uh, opening? Uh, by the way, can we just give our worship team a big God bless you? I mean, for real. Listen, y'all, I'm telling the truth. I was driving, listening to the broadcast, and I thought it was a recording. <laughs> I'm being for real, man. I'm like, that's Marvin Wines. Uh, anyway, it, it, I mean, it's just awesome the work that they're doing and the work. And it's, it's evident that they're rehearsing and going before the Lord, seeking content. So let's one more time give God praise for them, along with our tech and creative team and hospitality and 
everybody, sacraments, everybody that makes it happen, we're so grateful. So in an attempt to reach people, you all, and this is, again, one of our core values, and those who don't know, we've got some core values or core components that drive our church, and, and we kind of know it's to know, grow, and show. But before we had those words, we said it is to reverence God, it is to raise Christians, is another way of growing, and then reaching people and releasing leaders. And so in our desire to reach people, we made and will continue to make valiant attempts to know who we're trying to reach. Last year, from single parents, divorced church leaders, adult, uh, adult industry workers, cannabis pastors uh, who both use and promote its healing properties, uh, people struggling and who have struggled with mental health challenges, uh, and though uh, an individual who was transgender, these listening moments uh, were our sermons. Uh, their lives spoke to us, and it gave us greater perspective about what this 2022 world is that Jesus has asked us to go and to reach. At the beginning of the year, you all, we decided to tackle uh, one of the core functions of the church, uh, which is to win souls. Jesus, you remember when he caught a cloud and went to heaven, said, I want you all to go out into all of the world and to make disciples of me, uh, baptizing them uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Great Commission is the pillar of the church that we as a church desire to continue to be engaged in. Well, to win people for Christ, we need to know what makes them who they are so that we can properly reach them. We learned that uh, man is tripartite. I'm not going to re re rehash it all, but I want to just for the sake of those that are listening. Uh, we learned that man is made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. But because of man's disobedience, man saying, God, I don't need you. I don't want you. I don't want to be involved with you. Because of that, man became sinful. God being holy, uh, God being righteous, our disobedience made us unholy and made us unrighteous. And so because of that, man was no longer three parts, no longer body, soul, and spirit, but now just body and soul. We said that man, unlike any other part of God's creation, has something unique about him and her. Uh, the ability to make decisions. And sometimes those decisions are not natural decisions. Uh, uh, they go against the grain. A mother who sees a child in danger will risk her life uh, for the, the child. Uh, unlike animals that are just driven by animal instinct, the will, the ability to make a decision is informed by several things. The Bible says that man uh, became a living soul. And as he became a living soul, you all, uh, that means that he had three parts of his nature as a soul. He has the mind or the intellect. He also has the ability to feel, right, or emotions, and then the will. So the soul is made up of the mind, it's made up of the emotions, and it's made up of the will. And so if we are commissioned to be a soul-winning community, if the church of Jesus Christ, not just Citadel, but every church, is tasked with helping people, uh, their souls to be saved, then what does it mean for a soul to be saved? 
it means that the soul has to be, the mind's got to be saved, the emotions have got to be saved, and therefore the decisions I make are made from a saved place. So if he that wins or she that wins souls is wise, it means it takes wisdom to help get somebody's mind brought over to the things of God. It takes wisdom to figure out how to have somebody whose emotions and love and affections are towards something and to get that turned over to God. And so, you all, it takes wisdom. And one way the church is uh, tasked with helping us to get wisdom is helping us to learn more and more about the ways in which we can do that. I'm so excited to share with you all some, some graphs that and I've said this to you all before, but, but I wonder, and when I say stuff, if y'all really believe it. I know y'all do, uh, but uh, uh, you all, Gallup poll is one of the most uh, not known polls uh, in our country. Uh, it looks often at the, the census data, but it also has an aggressive national arm that goes state by state, sometimes county by county, demographic by demographic, and then does these surveys to give us uh, data-driven snapshots about uh, what's happening in our, in our country, what's happening in our states, what's happening in our cities. As a matter of fact, many companies and many corporations will use uh, the data that is collected by the Gallup poll to help make decisions about where to put a Starbucks. You, you do know that Whole Foods just don't decide to just pop up on these side. It's a reason that Whole Foods, and listen y'all, it's a reason that the only Whole Foods market is where it's located. And that is data driven. Are you following what I'm saying? And so if the church is to be strategic and not just emotionally driven by a strategy, then we need to have data to inform our strategy. Are you following what I'm saying? We need to say what, what, what's happening. All right, so I want to just put up this first graph, you all, which kind of gives us a picture of church membership uh, in America and how it has changed over the years from 1940 all the way to 2020. And so, you all, in 1940, uh, about 73% of the people in the country were actively involved in church. And you'll see that on your screen right now. And you saw the numbers begin to kind of went up a little bit. But then through the years, what do you notice? It continues to decrease. And I said it before, in 2020, for the first time in American history, the number of people in America who were actively involved in church or actively identifying as religious people, it dropped below 50% which means for the first time in American history, America no longer could say it is predominantly a Christian nation. Are you following this? The numbers drop down. Uh, what was interesting is the next statistic, you all, uh, which is um, <laughs> th these are people who, um, who, who go to church and love the Lord, but stop going to church. In other words, these are people who consider themselves as Christians, consider themselves 
as religiously affiliated, but yet they did not feel the need nor the necessity to go to church any longer. That number continues to decline, and in 2020, it reached a, a percentage of about 60% of people who uh, claim to love the Lord, do love the Lord indeed, but say church is not that important. Let me just say this, you all. There are people that are listening right now, and some of you all that are in the room, that you say, I love the Lord. There's no question about that. I have a relationship with Jesus. But you know what? Going to church is just not that important. Let's just keep it real. And you know what? Let me just say this. As I say that, that's not said with judgment. That's not said with, okay, how could you say something like that? I'm just stating a fact. There's some of you all who love Jesus, love God, but the need to come together or the need to be in the, the local church for some reason is no longer as important to you as it used to be. And the reason this is important, you all, is because <laughs> soul winning ain't got just everything to do with people that don't know God. We got to do some soul winning with Christians. <laughs> all right. Some people in the room, no pandemic or not, you went to the store. You, you got, I'm looking at some of y'all. You've been eating. You've been, you have been eating. You've been eating. You, you, you did not suffer uh, with count caloric intake during the pandemic. You say, you know, I'm going to mask up, but I'm on my way to, I'm on my way to Kroger, right? And some of us, you all, some of us, if the truth be told, you didn't just go for essential activities. Some of y'all, the moment y'all found out that the sports arenas opened back up, you were in your mask now, but you were at the game. Yes, you were. Can I keep it real? Some of y'all, if you found out that your club was still open, you might be sweating a little bit more because you got a mask on, but you were backing it up with a mask on. It's something to be said then that in the midst of having to decide what to do and what not to do as an essential thing, I found going to work because I got to get money. Going to, to the store because I got to eat. Going to see my boo because... But going to gather with the believers is not that important. Going to gather with the Christian community is not that important. And let me just say this to you all, and again, I, I promise you now, this is not judgment. I, I believe that maybe some of the pressure that you're under, maybe some of the stress that you're dealing with is because you've chosen to be a Christian in isolation. You've chosen to be a believer by yourself. And so you all, I want to just give you all some stats again, uh, letting you all know how uh, church attendance has declined by generation or age group, all right? Put this on the screen. So traditionalists, and if you're in this group, uh, you'll know who you are. These are people that were born before 1946. In 1998 to 2000, the percentage of those people that were going to church, 77%. 2008, 2010, it dipped down to 73%. Uh, 2018 to 2020, it dipped down to 66%. Now, I mentioned this group first because those who fall in that category, if you were born before 1946, you are still the most churched group. And I believe because you, you were raised in the church and you knew that there's a different dynamic and cultural dynamic for those in that 
age group. But let's look at the next group. So the decline, the decline was still there by about 11%. But let's look at the next group. These are baby boomers, 1946 to 1964. 1998 to 2000, their engagement 67%. 2008 to 2010, their engagement was 63%, and then in 2018 to 2020, it dipped down to 58%, a decrease by about 9%. So baby boomers are uh, considered to be probably one of the wealthiest generations and, and the ones who they claim, you know, kind of built a lot of stuff. Those individuals uh, also saw a decline in church attendance. And this, you all, is where it begins to shift drastically. And this is where we, the church, must find a method and a commitment so that these next groups that I'm getting ready to mention are not eternally lost. Uh, Gen X uh, individuals, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, by the way. Uh, 1965 to 1980, 62% uh, of those individuals, you see, first of all, notice how the numbers are starting out lower for those individuals even as they started doing the polling on this because younger people have become more skeptical and become less uh, interested often in religious things and particularly in organized religion uh, and, and let me just say this if you're a millennial or a young person Gen Xer, Gen Zer uh, and, and they, they talk about alpha generation uh, I'm not saying that you're bad people as a matter of fact uh, stats say that you're actually more involved in social things and you're actually more apt to volunteer and do more service related projects uh, than going to the church the relevance of the church is what you struggle with it says you all that these individuals in the uh, in the Gen X uh, category, 1988 to 2000, 62% of them were going to church. Then it uh, went up by one, 63% to 2008 to 2010. But 2018 to 2020, it went down to 58%. The decline for them, 12%. So you notice from 2010 to 2020, really, there was a huge dip from 63% all the way to 58% involvement in the church. Millennials, millennials, 1981 to 1996. Millennials, you all, and, and the thing about the data for this, because the millennials, you all, uh, were born in these kind of awkward moments, so they weren't able to always get the full scope of data for them on the front end and the back end. So 1998 to 20, 2000, not applicable. Why? Because uh, it was too close to their birth date. But 20. 2008 to 2010, 51% uh, involved. But watch this dip. 2018 to 2020, 36% engaged and involved in the life of the church, and these are millennials. Why am I sharing these statistics? Because you all, if we are tasked with winning the world to Christ, and we see that the world around us is less interested in the things of the church and God, our starting point has to be different. Um, there was a time you could go to somebody and say, well, you know the Bible says. You know the word of God says. Uh, uh, you, know, you know church, but, but church is a bad word. I had members ask me by way of email, Pastor, would you consider removing uh, 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 our, ourselves from the evangelical covenant church because the word evangelical means racist to me. 
Because the people who claim to be evangelicals are the ones who stormed the Capitol and are the ones who often are the most racist people in America. So why are we calling ourselves evangelicals? Young people are looking at the, the sin of the priests and the, the, the things that have happened with churches and the money making and the, the, the jets. And listen, and listen, by the way, you know, hey, if people in the church were, I ain't never asked that, so don't, don't think I'm switching it up. Oh, it passed about to ask us for something. Listen, it's been, it's been 20 years. I ain't never asked you. So it, it ain't that. But I'm just saying, if a church, want, if they want to get their pastor a jet, they want to get their pastor a jet. If that's what they want to do, then, then fly on. But for some people, you all, it, it becomes a struggle for them when there's so much poverty and so much, uh, you know, uh, issues in the world to see pastors being so prosperous, right? And so because of all of these things, you all, we're entering into a world that is vastly different than the world you grew up in. So the strategies that we take to win people have to be completely different from what they used to be. Today is first Sunday. It's the first day of the week, by the way. Uh, many people ask me, well, why does your church not honor the Sabbath? Because the Sabbath is Saturday. And let me just say, the Sabbath is Saturday. However, the Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And so uh, Jesus, I thank God how Jesus blew up the, uh, the issues of the Pharisees who were always trying to trip him up. And he was walking in a, a field one day uh, uh, with his disciples and pulling off stuff and eating it. And I, I, I just saw this picture of the Pharisees just hiding in the, hiding in the cornfield, just, you know, like, ah, that, that, there you go. Why are you working on the Sabbath? And Jesus said, if any of y'all had an animal, a, a, you know, it fell, a donkey that fell into a ditch, you know, your, and by the day, that was their ride. If your ride went into the ditch, would you wait for the next day to get it out or would you get it out that day? They knew that they would get it out that day. He said... I am the Lord of the Sabbath, and man was not created to honor laws. And so when Jesus rose on the first day of the week, the Christian church says, we are now going to allow our time of sacred remembrance of God, our time of, of not doing what we normally would do any other day. We were, we're now going to make our Sabbath day Sunday, which is the first day of the week, in remembrance of him. And so you are, as we gather together on this first day of the week, what we call First Sunday, it's the day that we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I'm going somewhere. Why is this important? And why are you bringing this up in lieu of the statistics that you just gave us? Because you all, last week, if you remember, I, I said that the only way that a person can get his or her mind right the only way that a person can get his or her soul or excuse, emotions right is for the introduction of the Holy Spirit into his or her life. When the Spirit of God, which is lost because of sin, comes into a person's life, now that person is able to make a decision not informed on the flesh only, but now the Spirit that is present to counter the flesh. Which means that the introduction of God by the Holy Spirit in your life 
enables you and me to do what we could not do without him. Being a Christian has nothing to do about joining a church. Being a Christian has nothing to do about your religious affiliation. Being a Christian literally means you have had a transformation. You are no longer the same. The old you has died and the new you is present. What's so crazy is some of y'all are in the graveyard bringing your old self up. And you're, you're doing the night of the living dead and you're walking around like the walking dead. And God says, listen, the old you don't exist no more. So stop bringing up what used to be and how you used to be and realize you've been made anew. But a lack of revelation, hallelujah, and a lack of understanding about what the new birth means will cause you and me to not be able to access or tap into what we have. Have you ever, uh, have you, technology, have you ever had a technological device that you only really use 1% of? Uh, remember back in the day when we had the TVs with the picture in picture and all that other stuff that they used to do? We didn't do that stuff. It did all kind of stuff. It had all kind, and there are things right now on your iPhone that you don't even know what it is. Right? How sad is it when you've got sometimes limitless opportunity in your hand, but a lack of knowledge of what you got has you only limit living in a limited way. And some of us have unlimited potential within us. We've got the presence of the almighty God in us. You better hear me now. You didn't just join a church. You got God in you. The God who made the heavens and the earth. The God who steals the water. The God who tells the sun, you stay there, and the moon, you stay over there. That's the God that lives in you. And you mean to tell me you worried about your rent? You mean to tell me you are depressed about your relationship, and you're depressed about your future, and you're depressed about your children, and you don't know what to do, and I'm about to go lose my mind, and I'm depressed. Do you have any idea who lives on the inside of you? But the devil has made you look at the winds and the waves. I came to snatch you up out of yourself. Mm-hmm. So that you would be who God made you to be. You know who you are. And every now and then you get a glimpse of it. But then you get selective amnesia. You remember the stuff you should forget. And you forget the stuff you need to remember. But I came to remind you today who you are. You are not just a conqueror. You are more. 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 More than a conqueror. Come on somebody. Tell somebody next to you to your mask, you're more than a conqueror. Mm-hmm. Tell somebody else, you're more than a conqueror. At the crib, tell somebody in the other room, hey! <laughs> you're more than a conqueror! So I want to just walk y'all through some scriptures, can I? Twelve minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited, y'all. Can I tell you why I'm excited? I'm excited because God let me read the end of the book listen y'all okay mama i hear you i, I told y'all this before uh 
Batman. My, and by the way, the Batman is awesome. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so I'm a kid watching Batman. Mom in the kitchen cooking greens. I never forget this. And uh, this was, the, I, for whatever reason, this is stamped in my head. Batman is on a conveyor belt. I'll never get it. Tied up, and there's a saw at the end of the thing. And he is going toward the saw. They about to cut Batman in half. I'm about to lose my mind. Wait a minute. You mean the Batman that I have seen uh, have a, a shark repellent spray? And he sprayed it on the shark and the shark. Yeah, that Batman. And I ran to the kitchen. Mama. <laughs> They about to kill Batman. And she said, baby, Batman ain't going to die. And somewhere in my heart, I said, you know, that's just so insensitive. You just in there cooking greens. You don't care nothing about what I'm dealing with as a child. You have no idea what is happening in that room right now. Somebody needs to do something. And my mother said to me, baby, can I tell you something? What's the name of the show? I said, Batman. She said, so if Batman died today, uh, is it going to be the Robin show? Or the Alfred show? Or Commissioner Gordon show? Ain't nobody going to watch that. She said, Batman is not going to die. She said, I prophesy. Go back in the room and sit there for a minute and watch what happened. And just as sure as she said it, he wiggled his arm and got to that utility belt and got some kind of a spray. I don't know what kind of sprays he had access to. They had the ability to turn that saw into dust. And he was able to break free of his chains. And from that day forward, when all my friends were losing their heads over the fate of Batman, I was sitting in the cut chilling because I always knew the outcome. Well, what does that have to do with you? God let me read the end of the book of your life. God let me read how your story ends. And the Bible says that you will be seated with him in heavenly places, high above all principalities and powers. You will rule and reign with him. You have a name that has been written in the Lamb's book of life and you will live with God forever and ever and ever. But wait a minute, before you get there, he says, while you're over here, occupy until I come. And listen, it ain't about when you get to heaven everything gonna be alright, but while you're over here, you are given the ability to rule and reign on this side. But when your mind is consumed with your drama, when your mind is caught up in mess, you can't get your mind on who you are and enter into what you've been ordained to have. Psalms. Psalms 51. Psalms 51. Psalms 51. Hallelujah. Is this making any kind of sense to anybody? Psalms 51, I just want to just walk through some scriptures so that people don't just think I'm saying things without being able to back it up. Psalms 51, uh, uh, verse 5, look at it. So lest you think that I ain't a bad person, I'm a good person. Look what it says. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. 
and in sin did my mother conceive me. I, I kind of like the way, I think the message says it uh, a way that I kind of like, like a little bit. It says, uh, I've been out of step with you for a long time. In the, I, I've been in the wrong since before I was born. Every one of us were born separated from God with a sin nature. You can't appeal to a better angel when your nature's sinful. I'm so tired of these things we just bring up out of what we see on TV and repeat and regurgitate. Appeal to your better angel. You, we're sinful. Let me just say something. How many of y'all know sin is pretty fun? Mm -hmm. you, you, now listen, now I know we're on a journey and we saved and we don't want to admit certain stuff. But, but you do know that there's some sins... Let's just start with food. Let's just start, let's start with gluttony. Let's start with you already ate, now you're trying to figure out what to eat. Let's talk about that. So, so, so listen, y'all, all of us have sinned. Everybody has been born with a, listen, with a proclivity or a nature towards things that are not right. And you cannot rehabilitate a nature. You cannot rehabilitate something that's been made a certain way. It has to be made over. You cannot add on to something and then make it right. You got to change it fundamentally from the inside out. And some of us are trying to add Jesus onto sin. Trying to add church onto disobedience. And you cannot live for God by adding him into your sin nature oh God that is why most folk don't want to surrender their will because surrendering your will means you no longer are the control freak that you are uh-huh you want to run stuff I'm not gonna give my life to no God I can't see I'm not gonna give my will to some God I don't know I'm not gonna turn over my volition to somebody I have never met so I'll tag him on. And I'll tag him on on Sunday. Maybe. We were formed in sin, shaped in iniquity. As a result of that, you all, as a result of that, we're separated from God. God ain't your homie upstairs. You God, you know what I'm saying? That's my homie, you know what I'm saying? He know, God know when I'm going. You know, that's my, that's my boy. You know? No, no, he's not your boy. Even Judge Judy, you, can't just, you just can't do what you want to do in her courtroom. Isn't that deep? You have respect. Oh, don't be doing that with Judge Judy. It's if Judge Judy, you need, if you're scared of Judge Judy, you need to meet Judge Jesus. You just can't walk up in a courtroom and chew gum and sit on the phone and do what you want to do. Why? Because you're in the presence of a judge. You cannot be in the presence of holiness and purity and perfection and bring our sinfulness to him and think that I can just waltz into heaven with my sin and contaminate heaven. Listen, you don't want nobody around you that ain't got a mask. Yet you want somebody to go to heaven with sin.
If we don't want to be contaminated with COVID down here, why do you think God want to be contaminated with your sin up there? You're born in sin. I'm born in sin, shaped in iniquity, separated from God. So something has had to happen. I'm not going to read it because I ain't got time. Leviticus 4, when you get it, read it. Because Leviticus 4 tells us that life is in the blood. Uh, <laughs> take all your blood out and see how long you're going to be around. <laughs> life is in the blood. So God instituted you all uh, a form of sacrificial systems whereby the shedding of blood was at the core of it. And the Bible says that as the blood would be shed, the blood would act as an atonement or making provision for the forgiving or the cleansing of sin. And so in those days, you all, they had to have all these sacrifices. The priest of God would go into the Holy of Holies where God's presence was. He would go on behalf of the people and himself and would offer sacrifices, blood sacrifices. Each person would have to come and also individually present a sacrifice, a lamb without blemish. As a matter of fact, God always chose to, to mirror on earth what was happening in heaven. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he says, when you come to God, bring a sacrifice that's pure. Bring a sacrifice that's without blemish. Bring a lamb and let that lamb's blood be shed. And when the blood of the lamb is shed, the sins of the people would be remitted. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there will be no forgiveness or remitting of sin. And so why is it important that we then uh, are commemorating the Lord's Supper? <laughs> because in the Old Testament, they had to bring all these animals day after day. Week after week, and then for the big old sacrifice. I mean, it was blood everywhere, blood everywhere. They had to do it all the time. But it was the blood of animals. We're not animals. So the blood of goats and calves and oxen and sheep could not take away our sin. All it could do was make us acceptable to God. Um, my wife is, uh, is like a real cleaner. Like she can clean really well. And then I clean. How many of y'all know that there's a difference sometimes between the way you clean and the way somebody else clean? Huh? You just say, why don't you go ahead, clean that room for me? <laughs> and you go back in that room, you'd be like, what did you do? And to, it's clean to me. Right? Well, the Old Testament was my cleaning. <laughs> it still left the sin present, but it covered it up. When my wife makes the bed, she actually makes the whole bed. That means the sheets are tucked and, and folded. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the, the certain pillows are laid in a certain direction and, 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 and you know, all of that. So, because she likes to come back into the room and it looks nice when you come back in the room. I thank God for a comforter. Because it don't matter to me what's underneath. It could be Cheetos, Doritos, 
everything underneath that thing, but the comforter makes it right. Well, in the Old Testament, it could not take away sin, but the blood of the animals covered the sin. Sin was still present, but it was still acceptable and presentable to God. You walk in my bedroom, you think my bed is made, but it ain't made for real. You looked at man in the Old Testament and thought that his sins were forgiven, but they weren't forgiven for real. That is why, that is why when people died, they did not go to heaven in the Old Testament. They went to Abraham's bosom. Because even though they looked towards Jesus, they had not yet had their sins cleansed. And they could not go to heaven just looking towards Jesus. They had to also have the same blood of Christ wash their sin so they could get, that's where purgatory started for Catholic folk. And so here it is. Jesus comes along, born of a virgin. Reason that's important is because I said earlier in Psalms, you and I, in my mother's, my mother, I was shaped in iniquity in my mother's womb. For the first time in human history, there was a baby shaped in a woman's womb that was not born from a man. God overshadowed Mary by the Holy Spirit, and she conceived a child, fully man, but fully God. Not born with a sin nature, not born like you and me, but born with the free will, had a soul, but born with the ability to not sin, and born with no propensity to sin. Obeyed God. As a matter of fact, he said, all I've ever done is to do what God has told me to do. Lived a sinless life. Watch this now. I'm done. I'm up and close. Lived a sinless life. And literally, you all, his sinless life met up with our sinful life. And we had to figure out what we're going to do with this. Jesus is already right with God. But the ones that I've been sent to are not right with God. How then can God make them, you and me, right with God like I'm right with God? Well, the wages of sin require payment. The wages of sin is death. So where sin is present, there must be a payment for sin. That is why every one of you all that are listening, if you die in your sin, there will be payment. And the payment of that is not physical debt, but spiritual debt. Separation from God for eternity. Yeah. So God had a plan. <laughs> he says, all right, Jesus, I'm going to send you down because you're me. And I'm going to let you live this sinful, sinless life, perfect life, holy life. But then I'm going to lead you to a cross. Because cursed is every man that hangs on a cross. And not only will you be cursed, but you will shed your blood. And not only will you shed your blood, but you will die. And watch this now. Can't no Roman soldier kill God. Do you think that nails and hammers and wood could kill God? As a matter of fact, Pilate said, uh, I'm about to kill you. He says, no man takes my life. 
Don't get this twisted. I, you, you don't have power over me. No man takes my life, but I lay it down. So as Jesus is on the cross, <laughs> he is now doing what I call the great transfer. <laughs> you and me deserving death. You and I who have never, ever been right are now meeting the Jesus who has been always right. The one who could not nor should die said, I, God, want to step in on behalf of them. And since I am, am I'm God, I have enough capacity, oh my God, to be able to, in my acts, represent the whole world. So as I die, I choose to become what they are so that your judgment can be satisfied. The wages of sin is death. I, who knew no sin, became sin so that I could die and satisfy God's judgment so that the rest of us who only knew sin could now know righteousness. You and I could not be holy without the Holy One dying for us and getting in us. You are not just a Christian in a church. You are an individual who is filled with the very nature of Christ. God is inside of you. So I'm going to share one last scripture and then I'm done. Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 18. Watch this now. <laughs> Consequently, <laughs> just as trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, right? Trespass, sin resulted in condemnation or judgment for all people. Watch this now. So also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. Listen, y'all, look what it says. Don't, don't ever let the Bible confuse you. What did that mean? The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. What does that mean? That means that when you read the, the, the Ten Commandments, the law, your sin increased. The moment that you saw what you couldn't do, you realized how impotent you were to, to, to please God. The law reveals our inability to obey God. It reveals our sinfulness. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. 
so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just as sin reigned through Adam, now grace reigns through Jesus. Just as disobedience created death and condemnation, now obedience creates life and righteousness. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You are the righteousness of God in Christ. So, I've gone over eight minutes, but I'm about to do two more minutes. I can't think of nobody more messed up than Paul. Paul, you do, you do know Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. You do know that Paul was one of the greatest missionaries that ever existed. He, he planted churches all over the known world, Paul. But before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul was not just some ordinary cat that didn't like the church. Saul's mission was to stop the movement of the church. Paul, uh, Saul was a sinner. And Saul went about persecuting Christians all over the place. And one day Saul had a transformation. On the way to kill some Christians, the Lord came to him, knocked him off his horse and said, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you? He said, I'm the Lord that you're persecuting. And in that moment, Saul gave his life over to Jesus. And in that moment, Saul became Paul. And his life was forever transformed. Well, I just want to read the words of Paul so that you can understand how Paul got to where he got. And I'm going to end on this. Y'all, well, y'all let me just preach this right here. Galatians chapter 2. <laughs> I want to look at verse 20. Oh, bless your name, Jesus. So when he tried to explain how he got to where he is, hallelujah. See, y'all need to understand. <laughs> you seeing Pastor Kerry, but you don't know Harvey. Uh-huh. You don't know the Harvey that Harvey was before he met Jesus. Uh, but don't look at me sideways because there's a you that was you before you met Jesus too. Don't you, don't you judge me. Judgment ain't one way. This ain't a one-way street. And so when I met God, God changed me and transformed everything about me. And watch this now. Listen. Oh, God is speaking. Somebody is trying to decide now that he got a hold of you that you can still do what you want to do with your life. That is why God is calling some of y'all into spaces that don't make sense to you. Because you're so used to ruling and doing your own stuff that you think that you really got a choice. Oh, but you better realize that God chose you before you even knew you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. And you better walk into what he is calling you to even though you do not feel qualified. Even though the devil is trying to make you feel as though you're not worthy. I ran from preaching because I knew who I was. Ain't no way in the world you want to use me. I may fake the funk for a while, but I can't fake it that long. I'm a sinner. And I'm talking about this. When I got saved, I was still doing crazy stuff. I know none of y'all do that, but I'm just talking about me. I was a born-again believer, but still caught up in stuff. How in the world is God going to use somebody still caught up in stuff? <laughs> Watch this, though. Like, oh, can I preach? I'm sorry. <laughs> 
You cannot ever get stuff broken off of you till you enter into what you're supposed to so that the anointing can be on you to break off of what's in you while you're breaking off other stuff off of other people. The same anointing that's on you to break stuff off of other people is an equal opportunity anointing. <laughs> so as I obey God in my brokenness, as I obey God even in my disobedience, as I help other people, God started helping me. You better hear what I'm saying to you. I looked up and said, when was the last time I did that? When was the last time I said that? I didn't even realize when deliverance came because I was so busy trying to deliver other people. So, so, so what changed? Here it is. I'm just going to read this. Verse 20. Paul. I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? That when he died, I died. When he got strung up on the tree, I was in him. So when he died, everything about me that was not right died with him. Now, even though I don't see it right now, in God's eyes, I am in Christ. There is no distinction between me and him. When God looks at me, he looks at him. And when God looks at him, he looks at me. And so when he died, if I'm in him, I can't be in him and not die too. How can you be in Christ and the Christ that died, you don't die? I'm in my car, but I'm not leaving home. You can't be in it and not of it. You cannot be in Christ and not of his crucifixion. So you have died. You have died with Christ. And I no longer live. You, news alert, tweet, you're dead. You no longer live. The old you ain't alive. I know you keep bringing that stinking you up out the grave, but that ain't you no more. And God is looking at you wondering what is wrong with you hanging in cemeteries. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live. Wait a minute. Who's talking? His body ain't talking. He said, the life I now live in my body. In other words, my soul has been saved. And now my soul informs my body what to do as opposed to my body informing my soul what to do. The life I live in my body. You ain't your body. The life I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, if being right could be gained by going to church if being right 
could be gained by giving money to the bishop or the pastor. If being right could by saying prayers and knocking on doors and handing out pamphlets. If righteousness could be gained by the works of my hands. Christ died for nothing. I'm done. You didn't just get a relationship with a church. You got a new birth. And a new birth means a new life. So as I get ready to pray this prayer, I need you to shake off the dead you. Stop thinking you can't when God says you can do all things through me. Stop looking at mountains. Oh, the mountains, the mountains, the mountains. When God says, if you got, the, if you got the enough, enough faith the size of like one of them little seeds on a, on a Big Mac, but smaller than that. A mustard seed is smaller than them little poppy seeds. If you got faith that size, you can say to that picture, Mountain, move, and it will move. But when you don't know who you are, you let the mountains speak to you as opposed to you speaking to the mountains. You meet with me about mountains. And I'm sitting here in your mountain conversations. And wouldn't it be amazing if you stopped meeting with me about your mountain and start meeting with me about your seed? Stop meeting with me about what you have to move it and asking me to stand in agreement with you for that mountain to move as opposed to reciting the detail of your mountain. Pastor, do you see the nature of my mountain? Do you see how big my mountain is? Do you see the crevice on the mountain? Do you see the backside? Listen, y'all, listen. Instead of that, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm done for real, for real. When I come into our property, I see mountains. But, the mountains are not greater than the faith that I have to move mountains. If I get consumed by the things that I see that are not right, I will take my focus off of Jesus who can make it right. So child of God, I need you to lift your head. I need you to almost get a little attitude. Because of who you are. You need to tell your mountain, excuse me mountain, I know you've been around a long time and I know you think that this is your terrain. But I got somewhere to go and you're in my way. And I'm not just moving mountains indiscriminately, but I got somewhere to go and the best way is through you. I need you to move or I need God to create an opening. I just need to get, get out of my way. I need you to know that all things do work together for good. It doesn't mean that it's always good, but it means it always works together. And I don't need you to be, to be discouraged while God is working behind the scenes. See, sometimes you all, you don't see what God is doing behind the scenes. He, he, especially if it's people involved. You see what I'm saying? Because you can't fix nobody. But God won't let people sleep. God will mess with folks so bad that he changes them. But you got to wait and be patient and trust God so that God will work it out.
But can I tell you something? I've never seen him fail. And I've never seen him ever have a battle he didn't win. And I've never seen him come up against something that he could not overcome. I've never seen Jesus encounter a situation that was greater than he could handle. And I came to tell you, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. But God did not let me sleep last night. Because I had to let you know it's going to be all right. I'm sorry. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know it's a whole lot going on. I know that the enemy's done pulled his, he pulled his best stuff out at you. He just, he knew this going to be the thing that knocked you down. But what he didn't count on is you coming to church today. As a matter of fact, he wanted you to stay at home. Oh, but God says, let me let it be about 60 degrees today. Because I need them to get up. The ones that don't normally come, I need them to be there today. So let me make sure I move temperature out the way. As a matter of fact, it's going to be the warmest day it's ever been. Because I need her to hear that. I need him to hear this. You shall live and not die. You're an overcomer. Greater is God in you than the devil that's in the world. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. So everybody stand on your feet if you can. Just stand on your feet. I need you if you can. Would you lift your hands toward the Lord? And, and if, you don't comfort, if you're not comfortable doing that, you don't have to do it. I don't want you to do something uncomfortable. Just lift your hands to him. The devil has done so much with you and against you in these past few months. That if the truth be told, it's amazing that you're still here. <laughs> But you are and I want you to get ready to make a declaration out of your mouth today and I want you to serve notice to the enemy and to the kingdom of darkness but more importantly serve notice to your own soul about who you are and whose you are and so don't just repeat what I'm saying but say it with conviction say it with meaning and say it with purpose if you're able to open your mouth, those at home, I know it may look crazy to people at the house, but lift your hands at the house. Lift them up. Lift them up at the house. If you're driving, don't lift them up. <laughs> but let's make this declaration out loud together. Can we say it together? Lord Jesus, I stand in your presence. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me your nature. And I stand in your presence declaring that I am the righteousness of God. Come on, say it again. I stand in your presence declaring I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because of that, no weapon formed against me, formed against my family, formed against my business formed against anything I'm connected to no weapon formed against me will prosper and today I say to the mountain be removed and cast into the sea in the name of the Father in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit now give God praise like you ain't never given him praise before. Give God praise like you ain't never given him praise before. Give him praise.
praise like you have never given him praise before. Thank you so much that this is not an emotional exercise, but this is confession. The words of our mouth lining up with your word. That we now stand on your word in the midst of whatever's against us. Thank you so much, God, for this opportunity to be reminded that to be born again and to have new life is everything. It's everything. And we leave this church today with a new excitement and a new view and a new outlook on what you have given us in this world. It says about and eyes are closed. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you're here and you're far from God for whatever the reason you're far from God. No judgment. Every single person at one point has been far from God. Well, how do I get closer to God? It's very simple. The Bible says draw near to God. And he'll draw near to you. But pastor, how do I draw near to God? He tells us that Romans 10, 17, that whoever calls upon the name of Jesus, whoever submits their will to his, they will be saved or their soul will be saved. Their mind, my feelings, my decisions, this old flesh of mine, it will be saved. And if that's you, if you want your mind, your emotions, your life, to be saved from you, saved from the enemy, then you need to surrender to Jesus. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313 871 F-O-R-T, or please visit us on our website, citadeloffaith.org. That's simply spelled C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith.org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us. 
and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.